Here we are, back at it again, motherfuckers. Terror Zone podcast in full effect with one of the biggest known people in uh, modern hardcore all the way to the fucking early to mid-90s. You know Scott Vogel. There's no introduction needed for him. He's fucking terror, slugfest, despair, buried alive. And he has another side band that is uh, World Be Free. Took me a second to remember. Jesus Christ. That's how much stuff they've done. They have a couple, an, an EP and a vinyl out or some shit. But <clears throat> today we talk about Terror. Terror is one of the first bands, few first dozen bands, I don't know, the introduction to hardcore back in the early 2000s that I got into. And... um. It was strange, strange talking to him because some people you look up to in hardcore and you look at them as more of just a hardcore kid, but, you know, everybody knows how down to earth he is and he's willing to talk to anybody, support anybody, share anything you ask him to. He's fucking down for the cause, real deal, Scott Vogel. It's, uh... I'm going to say two things about the podcast. I'm glad I waited as long as I did to talk to him so I can kind of get an idea of how to steer a podcast um, and, you know, drive this ship and don't make it boring. Don't make it fucking stupid for the people who want to listen. And I also don't want to make it too repetitive or boring to the the guest because you know obviously scott and people i've talked to have done a bunch of podcasts before me it's not their first time around they get asked the same fucking questions over and over again so without those filler questions of how'd you get into hardcore and shit like that there's still a lot to talk about but i'm happy with the conversation but knowing that i was under a 40 minute time crunch because of the stupid fucking zoom app because now you can only do a um, a limited meeting to 40 minutes, and then you have to stop it and start another one. And that totally disrupts the flow of the conversation. And with it being uh, Scott's first day on tour, I wasn't about to torture him fucking trying to get back on and start a new meeting, this, that, and whatever. So it seemed it was best to cut it off at the 40-minute mark. Uh, he said he had an hour to spare with me, but we just, it just, I don't know. I was, I was, yeah, see, I was in my head about it, to be honest. I mean, fucking Scott Vogel's a big name. He's cool. It's hard to not be fucking nervous about that type of shit or, or want it to go right because you talk to people and they have people who follow them. So imagine if anybody wants to listen to this, that already doesn't follow me, I don't want it to be boring for them, or, I don't know, that's how I felt, because I don't want to ruin it for anybody who may be a new listener, and especially with such a big guest, Scott Vogel, check it out, it means a lot to me, I probably already said thank you, but I'm thanking him again, and moving on to some shit, uh, today D-Block has a new EP out on No Echo, um, five or six songs 
So they got a new fucking lineup. They added Lyric from Enemy of God um, and Iced Out. He is now in the band, which I'm fucking is a great addition. I haven't seen them live yet, but uh, with his uh, resume in Detroit Hardcore and all the bands he's been a part of, I'm sure he'll add some flavor to fucking D-Block. And they also have a new drummer. I don't know if that's out and about. I don't know if it matters, but... It's a homie everybody knows, so be on the lookout for that. If they announce it or whatever, he's just going to show up playing fucking drums. Cool, good for them. And Terror will also be here tomorrow with Pain of Truth, Never Ending Game, Sanguasuga Boogie, and who the fuck else? Oh, oh yeah, uh, Kublai Khan is also playing that show. And another shout-out to... uh. Ramona from Black Iris Booking, she got a hold of me suggesting that it'd be a cool idea if we, uh, you know, kind of like raffled off some tickets, but the way we did it was we wanted the favorite uh, pit story and put it in the comments, you know, tag, share, like, blah, 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 all that dumb shit, you know, hope to promote uh, the podcast and her uh, booking shit a little bit and just do something fun for Detroit Hardcore, you know? Who's going to get mad at a free pair of tickets if you got a cool mosh pit story? Nobody. Especially if you win. But well, shout out to uh, Jake. Jacob Smalley. I'm putting his name out there. Oh, shit. He he uh, won because he had a fucking pretty cool pit story talking about how back in the day at a tyrant show, uh, they played Toledo. And it's an infamous story. Everybody's heard about it where a kid got his kid, his ear ripped off uh, during the also infamous murder ball game that Tyrant liked to play. He said all the little Toledo kids were appalled and it was awesome. And then he said another time in Toledo some fucking goofball emo band from Cincinnati was playing and their vocalist was uh, trying very hard to look like the singer from AFI. And he took it very personally. So he did like a helicopter spin mosh into him with naked aggression. Fucked him up. And his band left shortly after. I also take that very personally. You don't try to be no Davey Havoc. You don't even attempt to look like Davey Havoc. AFI is sacred. And if you don't like AFI, then that's your opinion. But fuck you anyway. So, whatever. (laughs) Especially don't try to be like fucking Davey Havoc. That shit's cheesy enough as it is. And somebody else trying to do it? Ugh. So, uh... That was a fun little con- uh, contest. Hopefully there will be more. Um, four of which shows. Well, uh, any other shows, obviously. But go see Terror at the Magic Stick. That's going to be amazing. And I just want to say how lucky and how honored I feel to be able to talk to some of the people that I do. And for them to take the time out of their day. They don't have to. they got their own fucking busy lives. they got real life shit to be worrying about. And them to take the time like I said it means a lot because uh, we give something you know out to people they get to hear a, uh, hopefully a cool conversation and I appreciate all the support and I hope this one gets around to people because everybody knows Scott Vogel's cool as fuck and so is Terror and Buried Alive and that's it. I'm going to stop rambling because it ain't about me, motherfucker. It's about Scott Vogel. Thank you again. Follow on Instagram. Uh, get Terror's new album, Pain into Power, streaming everywhere. Catch him on tour.
And if you don't, you're a bitch. I'm ready to roll when you are. Thank you, Scott. I just want to say thank you so much for fucking taking the time. I know you're on your first day of a tour. You're out in Denver right now. Um, it truly means a lot to me and the people who listen. I know you've done a fucking million podcasts. You have obligations. You have friends and bandmates. And I just want to thank you again for, uh, you know, give me a little bit of your time. We've got about an hour. So hopefully we can get some shit in. Go nuts. Go nuts. Let's go nuts. Like you get the crowd going nuts, right? <laughs> I, I, I'm happy to be here. I'm a fan of your podcast, so I'm glad we're doing this. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we talked say a little bit over a year ago, but I'm actually glad it, uh, we we waited so I can get a little bit more, I don't know, I guess, experience. I'm about maybe 30 episodes in, so I'm glad I can kind of get my thoughts together on you know, how, I, how I approach things and like uh, the meaning of the podcast, I suppose. I just like to talk to fuck cool ass people in cool bands or people that do cool shit. So, yeah. so you're one of those guys. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And I mean, like I said to you, uh, we, uh, everybody knows your biography by now, by all the things you've done in the um, Keepers of the Faith uh, documentary and all that type of shit. So we don't got to really backtrack that far. But uh, I don't know. I guess I can go. My first question for you would be. And it's no question that, that, that your love for hardcore has stayed strong and true for multiple decades now. And uh, is there any certain time that you realize that like this is like this is, like the only thing for you? Like no nine to five job, no kids, no fucking rush hour traffic. Was it hmm. early on or was it sometime after you realized, you know, that it can just be your lifestyle and get away with it? <laughs> hmm. That's a. Uh... I can't really pinpoint a time when I just, well, you know, actually maybe it was right away when I found hardcore. Um, it seems like from that moment forward, I really kind of centered my life around getting to shows. And, you know, at the time I was, didn't have my driver's license, didn't have a car, um, any job I when, when I, I think when I turned 16, my, my parents were like, you have to have a job or get out of the house, that type of mentality. Um, so any job I got, I kind of made sure it was a job where I could hopefully take off work to go to shows when it was important. And, uh, up, up to that time I played sports, you know, I played, um, basketball, baseball, football, uh, like team sports. As soon as I found hardcore, I dropped all that and never played any team sports again. So right away, I kind of made it the focus of my life. And then when I got older and lived on my own, I didn't really ever think about going to college or trying to get a real job. I really just didn't 
care about anything. I just really just worked shitty jobs to pay the bills in order to be able to do my bands and be able to travel and, and play shows and go to shows and stuff like that. So I can't think of like a pinpoint time where it was like, all right, this is where I'm, I'm focusing my life. It's just, really happened immediately and I never really thought about anything else and you know I've been asked before like what I would do if I I didn't do band stuff and what I think my life would have been like and I really don't have an answer because I really never had like a backup plan or I never was like I want to be a fucking teacher or I want to be a fucking lawyer none of that stuff ever really went through my mind it was just like I was like content doing bullshit jobs, living in like shitty houses with other hardcore kids and being able to go to shows and play shows. So it was kind of like just an instant thing for me. That's fucking cool, man. Like there's a lot of people who have spent, you know, day one since they found what punk or hardcore was, they spent all their time. Like, you know, there's a few, there's a bunch of bands from the eighties and nineties and shit, but it's like crazy to think that it, that some people can make it so far and it's literally all they live for is like their friends and family and hardcore. And, you know, the other 99% of the hardcore kids have to deal with like real life and like trying to survive, you know, without living in a box somewhere they have kids or they have to go to fucking college or they don't know what they're going to do. And that's uh, cool to see, you know, you got bills to pay obviously, but it's cool to be able to, have such like a free life to where I, I know you work hard. It's not fucking easy, you know, being in the band and being so successful. So, so obviously you earned your, your, your right to live this life. Um, it's, it's just, you know, a lot of people don't get to do that. So you're you know, one in a million say that, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, it's pretty crazy because never in my, even back then when I was talking about the, the path I took, I never thought, all right, I'm going to be in a band that will be, you know, um, full time and I'll make money off my band and I'll live that way. That was never, ever a thought. You know, I, I don't luckily I lived in Buffalo, which is a, you know, like a cheaper city. It was even cheaper back then. So I could work like a, uh, what I did was like worked a part time telemarketing job. And that was enough to you know, live in a house with a couple other dudes or an apartment, not a house and pay my bills. And I had like a little shitty Honda Accord. And I guess an, an, another thing that worked in my favor is I wasn't really too materialistic. I didn't need much. I didn't need to be like flashy or have a, a nice car or, or stuff to like show off. I was never like a big record collector. So um, I was never spending ton of, tons of money on stuff like that. So I had enough to get by, but somehow it all worked out. But like I said, when, when terror, even when terror started, you know, after buried alive broke up, I, I saw like what it was like to tour a little and to get paid, you know, buried alive never got paid a lot, but we got a little more than the bands before uh, that I was in. So I saw what it was like to get, you know, a couple hundred dollars a show and stuff like that. But it was never a thought like we're going to start this band and we're going to live off this band. That was like I just never really had any sort of. That ah, sounds bad to say, but I never had like these goals or aspirations to uh, be like successful in the eyes of, you know, 
the mainstream world. I, I just kind of just went with the flow and it always sort of worked out for me. Yeah. Yeah. But then it gets like a bad thing. Like you said, it sounds like a bad thing. Like you never had the aspiration or inspiration to uh, become successful. That means you were just doing what you loved and it all just fell into place. So you can actually continue to do you know, what you love most. And but like a lot of people, we can go back to the rest of the fucking world. They're stuck doing shit that they hate for their entire life just to get by. So so once again, like, you know, lucky to be able to do what you want and have that free life. So it all comes back to, like, it's crazy to think, like, you know, I had to scramble to get a job to be able to fucking survive. And, and you just like doing what you love to do best. And, and and here you are still doing it. And even after the pandemic and all the bullshit and everything, life's good for you guys. Stronger than ever with the new album coming out and. Once again, yeah, I, a lot. I got very lucky, um, you know, but along the way, I, you know, I telemarketed, I washed dishes at a country club, which was hard as hell. I drove a cab. Uh, I worked at a pizza place. I worked at a toy store. So I did all your typical bullshit jobs. And just with terror, we just got lucky. And, and uh, but like you said, it's extremely hard work. So I'll give I'll give us that. But yeah, a little bit of luck, too. Yeah, <laughs> damn, it's crazy to think like uh, it, 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 there's only one one thing you if you had to, had to get off the road and stop terror. Is there any one thing that you would uh, directly go towards to some sort of uh, some sort of so, source of income? Is there anything you'd be like, I'm just going to go do that because I like that say second best from hardcore? Hmm. No, I don't know. <laughs> don't <laughs> give a, a fuck. <laughs> I love a it. Tough one for me. I don't know. I've taught, I thought about it sometimes because you never know what's going to happen. I would hope I would get some, you know, I've made a lot of friends in the music world that do all sorts of things, like whether it's screen printing shirts or booking agencies or managing bands or all sorts of things that work in the music world. It's kind of really all I know. So hopefully I would go in that direction. Yeah, it seems like there's a lot of uh, a lot of ways you can go for sure. So that does make the most sense. So, um, so another question. Uh, a couple podcasts ago, uh, you did with um uh, Richie Crutch on the Post America podcast. I remember uh, one of the questions he asked you was if you can pick five cities in the entire world or United States that has the best hardcore scene. And one of those cities you mentioned was Detroit. And I don't know if you elaborated so much on that, but since this is a Detroit-based podcast, is there any anything you can say why, why you dig this scene so much? Well, the history speaks for itself. And I mean, um, you know, for me, for me, it starts with learning about Cold as Life. Um, you know, that's an extremely influential band. And when uh, my, f- my first band, Slugfest, played in Detroit, a kind of a cool show. Um, I know I just got off of Cold as Life. I'll get back to them. But um, the first time I came to Detroit, it was booked at, uh, I want to say it was like a coffee house. And yeah. it was done by, <laughs> yes, yes. And Eric, um, a dude named Eric who now I think is kind of in the skateboard world. Yeah. He um, uh, refuge skate shop. 
I believe, if that's what right. we're talking about. Yeah, he owns a ski Yes. Th- thank you for having a, a, um, a better brain than me. He booked the show, I believe, and it was Slugfest, Earth Crisis, and Chokehold. Um, that was a little more the suburban side of Detroit. But at, at that time, I hadn't really toured much, and it was just great to get outside of Buffalo and play to these new cities, new scenes. And that's like an amazing show. That was like Earth Crisis with, with the All Out War 7-inch out, seeing them at their like most youthful, primal, volatile state. And uh, it was a really cool show. A funny story after that show, I remember Mike Conquer the World, who did a label in Detroit back back in the day, who put out like my old band Fade Away that I played drums for. Um, it was funny because he was at the show and he asked us for a ride home, which we thought was hilarious. Like we have to drive all the way to Buffalo, but he also asked us for a ride home, which we did because that's what you do in hardcore, but it's always kind of stuck with me as funny. The next time I came back to, and maybe not the next time, but uh, we did some, uh, some shows with earth mover at Pharaoh's golden cup, which I would still say is kind of suburban earth mover, another fucking amazing, uh, Detroit band but when Despair and Hatebreed did their summer tour we played at the Magic Stick with Cold as Life and maybe that's my first introduction to like the inner city Detroit thing um Earth Earth Mover might have been on that show too so I was really lucky though those were like the early maybe mid 90s to see some of those great Detroit bands. Of course, we played with, my bands always played with Walls of Jericho. Um, I'm probably forgetting some bands, but it's just close enough to Buffalo. And, you know, you know, Detroit's bigger than Buffalo, but they're both similar cities in uh, a certain ways um, with awesome, awesome scenes and a great history. Um, and yeah, I can't remember what I said on that, where I put Detroit, but the the history is amazing and uh, nothing but respect. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it really shows, especially when you guys come through and you're on stage, you, yeah, I'm sure you show, show, show the love in every, every town you play, but yeah, it's like when you're giving a shout out to Detroit and thanking us for coming when we're in their crowd and shit, like there's always a, I see a sparkle in your eye that you love Detroit a little bit more than <laughs> other cities. <laughs> Yeah, and the the terror shows have always been great, and it's cool because we're, you know, I just said Magic Stick back in 95 or 6, and terror will be there in a couple weeks. So it's really cool that venues have stuck around. Um, It's great that Cold as Life is, I don't know exactly what they're doing, but at least they're, they're somewhat back in the universe. Hopefully I'll see them play sometime soon. And, uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, Sarah's looking forward to that show. It's going to be great. Oh yeah, it is, man. Um, of course, everybody's looking forward. It seems like that's one of the uh, one of the bigger venues that can hold hold the crowd for you guys. And uh, you know, with Kublai Khan and Pain of Truth, it was at uh, the Sanctuary, which you guys played there before a couple weeks ago. Uh, Pain of Truth and uh, Gridiron played there. Oh, dope. It's like, yo, we need a bigger place. Everyone's getting really fucked up here. So, so, so I'm for sure glad that it. Uh, it bumped it up, you know, a couple hundred more people to, I'm sure it's going to sell out, but fuck, it's just chaos when you guys show up, man. Um, what I got for you? Oh, yeah, I was going to tell you about uh, one of the first times I seen you guys 
Do you remember the um the venue Alvin's uh on Cass in yes. Detroit? You guys, oh, played we there. played there with Comeback Kid. I know we played there with them once. That was like in the city too, and it was really hot. I remember there was like this huge fan in there, but it didn't it didn't do enough. But I do remember that place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was probably oh five. You said it was like Comeback Kid and uh, Modern Life Is War. A Sinai Beach was supposed to play, but for some reason they fell off that date. And uh, so I was like 17 then. I'm about 34 now. So it just goes to show how fucking long ago it was. But I remember like going in there, like before the show started, and I said, take a piss or whatever. And you were in the bathroom, man. And you were sitting there washing your face like a washcloth. And you just looked at me, you're like, another horse bath with just like a smug look on your face you're like fuck this shit it's so hot <laughs> and uh, i'm still on tour <laughs> it could have been a rough day or or night before but i was like that's scott right there the singer of fucking terror so it was just a i i remember after that show we had a drive all the way to i believe iowa in our van actually broke down but yeah like getting in the van after a show that hot when you're just like totally sticky I, it's hard for me to sleep because I feel so, so disgusting. So I will go into whatever bathroom and, and take some sort of towel and take a fake shower. So you must have call, caught me showering in there. And uh, yeah, that's like, you know, we we used to do some stuff too, like in, in terror when we had an overnight drive. We would like, let's say we're in Texas and we just played a show and it was fucking 95 degrees. Before we get in the van and drive overnight, we'd pull up to some like motel hop the fence, jump in their pool with like a bar of soap, <laughs> like take a fake shower, jump back in the van. And then you at least feel like a human being for your overnight 12 hour drive. So yeah, touring's fucking disgusting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially you said Alvin's too. I, I do remember that being one of the hottest shows I've ever been to. And it was so packed. Uh, I was wearing a white t-shirt as a blood in blood out t-shirt. And, uh, I remember going home and like my dad be like, you have fucking footprints on your back and on your shoulders. <laughs> he was like, cause people jumping off the stage and shit. And he's like, where the fuck were you? Cause my dad was not down for that shit. He's like, you know, I, couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't do what I wanted. I had to, I had to sneak around, you know, that's that devil shit. Crazy. Yeah. Hey, you the know, things but, we do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I remember that was also one of the uh, defining moments of, of like how much I love this shit because of the chaos and how hot it was and how uh, there's really no there's no direction of the night of what the fuck's gonna happen or or who's gonna show up or you know, there could be a fight there could be a super awesome mosh pit or you could get jumped on <laughs> and get your eyes split open and then you have to go home and explain it to your parents on a school night <laughs> I don't think it was a school night but I'm just saying they're like what the fuck is this kid into yeah insanity. It is insanity. And uh, <laughs> so, I mean, so we can move on to one of the your new album that just came out. Uh, I think I heard in the other pod, one of the other ones that just came out today with uh, Joe and uh, Richie, you did that trifecta. Uh, you were mentioning that you've had this album. It was written for, for quite a while now, right? Like before you guys put it out. I remember you saying it was recorded just before you moved back to Buffalo or just after. So that was last winter, right? Uh, I think it was written then. I mean, we, we had the pandemic where we weren't doing anything. So we kind of said, let's, let's write a record. What else can we do? But it was done, finished, recorded June, June or July last year. So it's almost been a year 
since it was like handed in and done. And then, um, yeah, just with pressing plants delay delays as well, as well as not being able to tour, we kind of just kept pushing, like waiting and waiting. And finally we had it ready. And then our drummer, Nick, let us know that he was having a baby. Um, so he wanted some time off so he could, you know, it's his first baby and he wanted to be there. So we pushed it back even a little bit farther. And, uh, but it's fine. You know, we have so many records out. There was no fucking big rush and it just gave us time to do it right. And I think uh, the record's out now and everything seems to be going super smoothly and people seem to be psyched. So there, there was a lot of like uh, waiting and pushing and pulling, but everything works out in the end. Yeah, yeah, man, it's super cool. And uh, the new album's great. You got the 10 songs that are some fucking bangers. You even got, you know, Corpse Grinder and shit like that on one of the songs. So, I mean, how did that come about? Like, how did you, did you just ask him or was it just a thing you guys thought of before you decided to ask him? Or were you just looking for like a guest vocalist and that one was like just cool, you know? Uh, we definitely came up with the idea to have him. And uh, we, we've toured with them before and they're actually from Buffalo. So uh, not Corpse Grinder, but Cannibal Corpse is originally from Buffalo before they moved to Florida. So we have like, you know, a relationship with them and some ties to them. So uh, I have their guitarist Rob's phone number. I just texted him. I said, hey, do, do you think Corpse Grinder would maybe be down to sing on this? He said, let me hit him up. And I, I think... I got a text from Corpse Grinder out of the blue like a week later, and he said, I'm down to do this. And, you know, it works really well for those reasons that I just said there. But also Corpse Grinder is like, you can literally sit down and talk to him about Warzone, Youth Today, Gorilla Biscuits, Judge, Chrome Eggs, Agnostic Front. He loves all that shit, like passionately. Like when we toured with them, we would pull out like a little uh, Bluetooth speaker, put on Warzone and sing the songs and, and have a beer. So he's very much down and very cool and down to earth. And it was a really, really cool thing to have him. That's interesting. I wouldn't have, uh, I wouldn't have thought that to be honest with the whole cannibal corpse image and shit like that. I, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, I don't, you know, it does make sense. It's all heavy music, but it's just like a, a different lane, but we all come from somewhere. We all got a background. So you know, follow what you love, I guess. I mean, I just talked about him and he's from Baltimore, but the guys from Buffalo, like I would see Cannibal Corpse with Zero Tolerance. I would see Cannibal Corpse with, I saw them with Brotherhood and the, the Accused. So I, you know, I don't want to speak for them, but I'm pretty sure they grew up. But, you know, underground music was so small back then that I'm pretty sure those guys were all going to like hardcore shows. As well as, excuse me, death metal shows at the same time. Yeah, hey, I mean, you know, heavy music back then, there's not as much as there is now, obviously. So get in where you fit in, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and squeeze in where you don't. Fuck it. There was a show in Buffalo, like the early 90s, like maybe 91. It was called The Gathering of the Tribes. It was Cannibal Corpse and Baphomet to like really well-known death metal bands, both from Buffalo and zero tolerance and snapcase and those in Buffalo, those were like two, the two like premier bands. And it was probably like a thousand people going fucking crazy. So those scenes always crossed over in Buffalo. 
Okay. Yeah. It always seems, you know, the early two thousands, like like a death metal show and a hardcore show, there's some, some random band, like it didn't really mix well then, but now it's, uh, it's pretty often that the scenes cross over in the same night. Like, uh, so it's a good thing, obviously, but it was always weird. Like, like, Oh, there's a metal band on this fucking bill. Like some shit's going to happen. So it's really good <laughs> that everybody can get along, you know, again, even though they did before, then it was like a separate world. And now like that, the uh, Sanguisugabog, you know, I don't know if you consider them like totally death metal or not, but you know, that's going to be a mixed crowd. I believe. Am I wrong? No, I think you're right. I mean, I don't fully know, but um, we we did a, a tour with Dying Fetus like, I don't know, six, eight months ago. Yeah. And we played a show with that uh, Sanga Sugabog and Frozen Souls and uh, the Dying Fetus in Tampa. And, it you know, it was a great mix. And obviously tons and tons of metalheads, but a lot of hardcore kids came too. the energy was great. And, you know, I'm not speaking 100 percent. But it seems like the the scenes and the crowds are a little less like violent now and more accepting. So hopefully everything goes off pretty smoothly. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, you know, it's it's always interesting when some crazy shit happens, but it's always more positive and better when everyone leaves on a good note and no crazy shit. You're gonna stop playing and fuck the setup and you know, that just causes problems. But uh um, fully agree. Yeah. <laughs> um, has there been any tours or like big bills you've ever been on with either Terror or Buried Alive that you felt like that this band like totally doesn't belong here? Like any weird like warp tours or anything like even like or like inside a theater? You're like this is fucked up. Whether there's like twenty feet between you and the crowd and security everywhere, is it ever uncomfortable like those shows? Um, yes and no. I mean, it, de- it definitely is a different type of energy and it's a, a different type of challenge, but it's kind of cool. And, and when you, when you look at the surroundings, see what you're dealing with, see what the security's like, you can kind of create not the same energy as like a smaller club, but you can kind of get a cool vibe and work those crowds and make it kind of really you know, beautiful and, and the energetic and stuff in a different way. It's never going to match like a pack club. Um, and th- there was a time in my life when I'd be kind of bummed on things like that, but I've kind of, kind of grown to like, see it as a different type of challenge and believe in it and try to work it to the best of our abilities. Sometimes it fails and you're like, this fucking barricade suck. These fucking security guards wouldn't let anything cool happen. This was kind of a wash. But for the most part, I just go into it kind of positively and trying to see what can happen. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, especially like, for example, um, when you were on tour with uh, you, it was you, the Cro-Mags, Obituary, and uh, Haybreed when you guys played at Harpo's. Oh, like, on that, like, that nine foot stage is stage. fucking huge. <laughs> Holy shit. That wasn't your first time there, was it? <laughs> it was. It was oh, okay, my only time okay. there, yeah. I've yeah. heard of it, and I know Hatebreed uh, uh, did their DVD there. But when you walk in and see how high that stage is, yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, still, from what I remember, the energy was decent, but I'll take a smaller show anytime. But, yeah, that, that stage was tough. Like, when you look down, you 
you can't even see the front of the crowd because you're so high up. <laughs> yeah, it's funny when when people are trying to like they're two three people tall, you know, trying to pile on to get to the mic, and, <laughs> and like you're reaching down, and it's like this is fucking impossible, man. The stage is absolutely enormous, but it makes for fun. Like almost every time, Hatebreed will play play there just because it can hold all their fans, and it's still grimy. You know, Hatebreed likes it. It's not one of those, one of those theaters with fucking like with permanent seats and shit you know right to be a stand-up um i don't kind of went off on a tangent there i guess we can just go back and some random questions with the time i have um do you have any any reason why when you guys did trapped in the world how you re-recorded all those songs was there anything behind that or was it just out of pure boredom yeah, you know, because of being trapped, you know, in your house for that time being, because I find that is honestly all those re-recorded tracks are so fucking good. Like they're my favorite. I listen to that over lowest of the low or one with the underdogs. <laughs> it was like I don't just the way you recorded and sang was so much better in my opinion. You know, it w- it was. You know, you said boredom. That's kind of close to it. I-, I think it was just having so much time on our hands. And a lot, a lot of uh, people I've talked to think we recorded the Trapped in a World thing with Todd and that sparked him producing Pain into Power, but that's not really how it happened. We asked Todd to produce the new record. We started doing it. It was going super smooth. We had so much time. Everything was really fun. And we just had this brainstorm to like re-record some of those songs from Los Lolo and One with the Underdogs with Todd playing guitar. Nick has a home studio, so it was really easy. And we wanted to do it like super raw, kind of like a demo. And we just really banged it out in a couple days. And then we pressed it ourselves. No label. If you look at the, the LP, there's no label on it at all. So it kind of looks like a bootleg. And it was just something to do during the pandemic. And, you know, like being a band for 20 years, you kind of figure out how to do everything. We know how to record. We know how to put records out. We know how to mix things. So it's just like, damn, we're like handcuffed. We're doing nothing. This is something we can do. Let's fucking do it. So yeah, it came out really cool. And I loved the cover art. And it, it was just another cool thing to do when, when the world had us fucking boxed in. Boxed in. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh. I, I got I to gotta stop you right now. Okay. When we were talking about Detroit, I was thinking of so many bands. I want to Pitbull, Ricochet, yeah. Smash Your Enemies, Build and Destroy. Uh, so many, like they're gonna keep coming to me. But all right, Freedom. Oh, that's dude. That when that Freedom, I love the LP, but the um, the seven inch after it. Um, ah, what the fuck's it called? Uh, 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 I can't think of it right now. Never had a choice. Maybe that's the name. Of yeah, it? or maybe yeah, that's the first they, song. Yeah, I did that for um, USA hardcore and uh... Dude, they're so good. Empathy and old kind of like emo band, really good. Um, all right, so I just want to shout out some Detroit bands. You can keep going. Oh, yeah, never ending game. <laughs> You'll be with them in oh, Detroit. They're, oh, they're playing the Detroit show, right? Yeah, yeah, and Chicago with you guys. It said yes. So there you go. Yes, yes, yes. They're fucking amazing. They are man, and didn't um Dennis from from that band? Did he not do some of cover art for you guys off one of the albums? I don't know which one, but I thought for sure he did. Yeah, he did two things. Our seven inch called "The Walls Will Fall." He drew the cover art, 
And the last album, Total Retaliation, he did the cover art. And on that record, there's a song called um, One More Enemy. And he does like a, a small like guest part in there too. He's he's great, great artist, and he has a fucking mean voice. Yeah, man. Yeah, now he's just a bassist. <laughs> no, 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 but dude, I wish that band would well, do a fucking reunion or something. It's been it's been too long, but they're they're doing things with never ending game right now. So it's one step at a time. We'll get them back. <laughs> yeah, it's very cool. Yeah. Um, I don't even know where we we're going. Oh, I wanted to ask you. Uh, so, so when you come to Detroit, uh, you know, you've been here fucking so many fucking times. Is there any, uh, any particular place or like a restaurant that you like to go see or go eat or any places that you visit before you guys, uh, you perform for the night? It's funny you ask. Cause I almost said this when you brought our Harpo's, do you know, is Jets pizza? Did that start in Detroit? I believe so. Um, I've always heard that. I've never, I've never done a proper research, but yeah, for sure. You know, it, it is Detroit style. One of the best, one of the original Detroit styles besides Buddy's uh, pizza and shit. Let's say it's from Detroit. I'm not sure if it is, but at that Harpo show with Hatebreed, someone ordered Jets pizza. They said I had to try it. That's the first time I ever had it. My mouth was like <laughs> loving it. And now that's like my go-to pizza. What There's one in Buffalo. I've seen one in Nashville, so whenever I run into them, I need to shove some of that shit into my belly. Fuck yeah, yeah! I'm sure somebody, uh, I'm sure somebody will bring it to you because I know those uh, uh pain the truth dudes, they love it. I seen them scarfing it down last time they were here with <laughs> Gridiron. Yo, Matt from Gridiron was on the stage at five minutes before his set. He had a he had a pizza in his hand, just eating his. Food. I was like, "How the fuck is he about to perform? He's gonna be throwing up in five fucking yeah. minutes, man!" You know, because I, 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 tr- I, tr- I try not to eat till like three or four hours before we play. I, if I ate pizza right before we played, I would literally puke on stage. <laughs> That's what I assumed, you know, because so much energy and jumping up and down, sweat and heartbeat, like you fucking puke <laughs> on everybody in the front, dude. Ugh, that'd be hard. Hard. Disgusting. <laughs> but you know, it's it wouldn't be surprised you had a hardcore show or some motherfucker to get puked on. <laughs> so um I don't know. Let's see what else I got. Let's stop for a second here. I'm oh, sorry. Thank you again, though, honestly, man, because like I said, like you got a few hours before you probably 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 gotta show up at the venue tonight, right? Um we're going to leave here, get an oil change on the van, pick up our merch. I got a, I'm going to go to a barber shop next to the venue. Um, yeah, all that sort of day one shit, count the merch, figure our bullshit out. And uh, yeah, but you know, we, I think we know what we're doing sort of, even if a couple of things fall through the cracks, it's always all right. Yeah. I'm sure you got backup plans in place for almost everything by now razzle dazzle that's another fucking detroit band yeah yeah dude, <laughs> fortunately they're so good party band um shout out to them because they're finally doing a show again in uh oh really yeah yeah um you i'm sure you've seen that at tied down fest that's gonna oh, be yeah, here yeah they're doing the um pre-show for that with uh wild side and uh and gel i think is playing and gag that's are cool. both playing so that's gonna be a sick fucking pre-show yeah, that, that fest looks really cool. Yeah, you're going to steal a Martine from you for um, fucking 
uh, God's hate is playing on it too. So I don't know if you guys are, if your tour is still going to be going on or be just getting over at the beginning of June, you won't be on tour anymore. Right. I think we're off. We go to Europe in like mid June. So Martin's okay. free to do whatever the fuck he wants. <laughs> I'll hopefully be sitting in my house relaxing. Yeah. He's a busy boy. Martin, man. He's got a lot. Oh my life. God. <sighs> Look, me, me too though. In the, in the last break we had, I did, shows with buried alive and my band world be free so i'm like sometimes i'm like what am i doing i don't know how to relax <laughs> yeah you are going to uh, is there any future plans with um a world be three sorry world be free these days i mean i know you guys did like small like, mini tours here and there put out some shit but is there any big plans in the future for them to do any big tours or anything I don't know. It's it's really hard because everybody's in like 600 bands. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, right now, my, my focus is on terror as much as possible. Uh, we'll see. Um, you never know, but the answer could be no, but it could be yes. Yeah. Yeah. I understand there's a million logistical problems and things that have to happen for that band even probably fucking practice on zoom yeah sammy's in like 10 bands too so yeah it's it's very hard yeah well i mean you got the new album coming or what's out already you guys gonna be on tour probably the rest of this fucking year is that just pretty much like your plans for now just finish out this um album support tour and move on from there yeah, pretty much. There's, uh, you know, we got two tours booked in Europe, a couple things in the U.S., a couple fests coming up. And um, we don't want to, you know, back in the day, we could tour like nine months a year. None of us want to go that hard. So we're going to do it hopefully tastefully where we're happy and we push the record enough, but not where we want to fucking jump out of the van and say, get me the hell out of here. So right. yeah, touring and uh yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> cool, man. I mean, fuck, I'm so glad everything's finally back and popping like it was. It was stronger than ever, it seems. So uh, it's like it's like you can't get to enough shows. I'm fucking either working at 4 a.m. I'm like, motherfucker, I'm missing so much because it's just in your face now, you know? Yeah, even, in, you know, Buffalo, like a smaller city, a smaller scene, there's so many shows coming through, which it's beautiful. But sometimes you're like, oh, shit, I, I just, you know, I got to go to another one. Yeah, well, look, like I said, how, how Zoom is all fucked up. It's like a 40-minute time limit now, unless you got to restart the shit. We pretty much covered whatever I had written down to talk to you about, and um, so I'm not going to take up any much more of your time. Uh, says a, a one minute before this shit shuts off, and I, I figured we oh, capped it off uh, pretty good, man. We went 40 minutes already, so um, I appreciate you taking the time, like I said, and You'll be coming through here in a couple weeks. I couldn't be happier for your tour support and all the bands that are playing. So um, thanks again. And Thank you very much for having me. I'm glad we got to do this. And uh, yeah, I'll see you in a couple weeks. Yeah, man, I'll be there. I'll be punching motherfuckers. Here it goes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks, all right. Have a good one. All right, Bye. you too. Bye.